Welcome in to the first ever 501 podcast. They kicked us off of the TV. They said our faces weren't pretty enough. Nobody said that. And so we are here for the medium of the people. There is a big podcast going around Northwest Arkansas that's making a lot of noise. So we thought we would join in on the the hype around this. And we thought we had to join, make our own. In all actuality, they just kicked us off the TV. And don't believe Andrew. But we are here. We are giving our takes just like the TV station, except for they don't have co- we don't have commercials, and we're not combined to 30 minutes. Andrew Epperson is joining me. I'm Seth Campbell. We are some 501 boys that are here to give you the best takes about the Arkansas Razorbacks. Grown in the universe, grown in Arkansas, born in Arkansas. We went to the University of Arkansas. One of us is still going to the University of Arkansas. One of us will give good takes, thought out takes, logical takes, and then the other one just works at the radio station. That's me, Andrew Epperson. So grateful that you can join me now and for the foreseeable future. And we're going to kill this podcast. Unlike that other podcast you referenced, we can criticize people at the University of Arkansas if we want to, right? Even though we went there. Because we're not on their payroll. That's what happens. I digress. I digress. Let's talk Arkansas. And before we talk Arkansas, I want to say and lay out what this show will be. It's a podcast, but I just want to give a declaration of values here, so to speak, as we start out. Andrew is a certified journalist. He writes for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. You can see his stuff in the Associated Press. I work for the radio station in Northwest Arkansas, ESPN 99.5. So we both know a little bit about what we're talking about. We've been in media now not very long. Both of us are recent graduate. Well, I'm a recent graduate. Andrew decided to go to more school for whatever reason. And he graduated once. Yeah, he did. He did graduate once. And we want to give you honest opinion, but also facts about the University of Arkansas from people that went to the university and have grown up ever since I can remember. I've been a Razorback fan. You know, I can remember Matt Jones throwing it to Corey Birmingham and the miracle on Markham. It's one of my earliest memories as a Razorback. And I know I don't go back way back to, I mean, even 1994, Andrew and I weren't born, but we know, we know a little bit about what we're talking about. We studied the history of the Razorbacks and we want to give you a podcast that dives deep into what's going on with the Razorbacks at that time. And then we'll throw in some national stuff because let's be honest, when June and July hits, there's not a lot to talk about. No, there's very little to talk about. Football recruiting, that's honestly, these days, looking at how Chad Morris has been recruiting. But unfortunately, in this first edition of the podcast, uh, we don't know who's going to be recruiting in basketball for the foreseeable future. No, we do have a lot to talk about here, so (laughs) let's get into it. Mike Anderson axed as the University of Arkansas head coach. Andrew, this is something that you have wanted for a little bit now. Why? I wanted it because in some of the things that we had heard from within the program, 
the direction that the Razorback basketball team was going for the foreseeable future was recruits that cannot hold up to other big-time recruits in the conference or the country. And like we've talked about before, coaching is overrated. Um, Mike Anderson doesn't run plays. That's just something that's common knowledge within the program. We see them happen every once in a while when needed, but they don't practice them. They don't do that. So I didn't believe you, and I didn't believe people that said Mike Anderson didn't run plays. I saw plays being ran on my television. I saw them being ran when I was watching the games. I saw plays being run, and he does run plays. He, I guess he should say he did yeah. run plays. But when you have a coach from an opposing team come out and say they didn't run a set against us, a real, a real set. Actual coming down coach the court. said that in an athletic article. Yes, you had to be unanimous because you're not going to go on record and say these things about people. You're not going to be a coach that does that. That's not happening. So he has to be unanimous. Anonymous. Unanimous would be Ooh, like if you yeah, and I and one other yeah, person no, said yes about something. I definitely meant anonymous too. I was saying anonymous in my head. We're off to a roaring start on this podcast. <laughs> I, so I definitely meant anonymous. I've been trying to edit that part out in the uh, post edit <laughs> here, but definitely meant anonymous. And he came out and said that they don't run place. Yeah, that doesn't bode well for you. We both so, and you and I are both kind of on the same on the same boat in this one because we thought that he was running plays and he did in certain instances run plays. In fact, ones that I ran in high school, there's a couple that I noticed that were going on, but uh, clearly there were some games where he didn't, where he didn't run plays. But here's the deal: if you take Duke with Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and all those guys, and you don't run plays. You're going to win a lot of freaking basketball games. You're going anyway. to go to the NCAA tournament regardless. And you're probably going to make it unless something just ridiculous happens, which often does happen in the NCAA tournament. If things happen the way they're supposed to, even if you don't run plays, you're going to make it to the Final Four or the Elite Eight. When you have talent, and we've said this many times, and I'm a firm believer Jimmy's and Joe's beat X's and O's all 10 time. times out of 10. It's all about the players. It's all about the players. You can have great runs in the tournament with less talented players. I'm not saying that. That would be ridiculous and preposterous. Loyola Chicago went to the Final Four last year. Yeah. The teams that they beat had better players than them. They yep. had good coaching. They hit the right shots. And Andrew and I were talking about this yesterday. To be a Cinderella in the NCAA tournament, what do you have to do? Win two yeah. games. That's I, it. And they're going to be against tough competition because you're going to be the underdog. But two games to win, you can fluke into winning two games. And a lot of times that may or may not be what happens. If you have a good game plan and you match up well against a certain team, that's playing you, badly that night. You're going to well. lose. Yeah. And it all depends. Ask Virginia last year with UMBC Can't overlook people. You can't. And you can have a bad shooting night and your, your matchups just don't work. Virginia, or have somebody hurt like in Virginia's case. And right, Virginia is one bad matchup away. I think even this year, from going out of the tournament. Yep. The way that the style of offense and really the style of defense that they run is a slow down. They're going to try and play defense. And if they get into a bad matchup where a team can slow down with them, but scores every time and Virginia is not stopping them, that's a problem. And that's what happened with UMBC last year. Yep. I totally agree with you. So Jimmy's and Joe's beat X's and O's every time. And I think that's where Mike Anderson got into trouble. Not the fact that he didn't run plays, and a little bit not the fact that his style doesn't work anymore, although I really don't think it does. The fastest 40 press every time with a hand check stuff, I don't really think it works that well. Shorter shot clocks. But if you had 
the Jimmys and Joes, you can run whatever offensive defense you want. Yeah. And they will still win. I think what got Mike in trouble is the fact that he didn't adjust to the times and he didn't recruit well. He lost guys all the time in state. Two come yeah. to the top of my mind. One hasn't really done anything yet, but the Gatorade player of the year this year is Isaac McBride from Little Rock. Yeah. He wanted to be a Razorback. He's not. He's going to Kansas because Mike didn't recruit him. Unreal. Kevon Allen, I swear the dude's been in Florida for eight years. But imagine if he would have been at Arkansas for eight years, for what seems like eight years. He, That's a quality basketball player. And he would average 40 a game against Arkansas. <laughs> yeah. Seems like. So you miss out on those guys in... I think that's where you got into trouble. And Mike had seasons where he would not get into trouble, but he could look to the future. He could say, hey, you know, maybe we don't have a great year this year, but look who's coming in. That happened when he didn't have Daryl Macon and Jalen Barford, but they were yeah. coming in. They were the top two, top five Juco players. Two, two, of, the two of the top three. Yeah, in the entire country, and they were coming in to play for you. So yeah, people aren't going to be that upset. But when you don't have anybody, when you have one recruit coming in, his name is Justice Hill, and he's on the football field right now. Yeah. That doesn't go well. He's not good enough to justify it. I think this is an example that I really like to use. John Calipari is a guy who is often maligned in the national lexicon of sports. People either love him if you're a Kentucky fan or you hate him and say he's a terrible coach if you're outside the Kentucky program. He's only won one championship. Well, if Mike Anderson won one championship, he would be able to stay at Arkansas for a very long time. Yes. And when we look at John Calipari, we can say, oh, this play doesn't work, whatever. This offense that he's doing right here doesn't work, whatever. But he brings in the best players because he realizes, he puts his ego behind him, and he's got a pr pretty big ego if you're John Calipari. He puts it behind him and says, look, my system is overrated. I cannot coach this team to wins with whoever. My great coaching, my wonderful coaching is not going to win basketball games. I got to have Boogie Cousins. I got to have Anthony Davis, John Wall, you know, Devin Booker, all these guys, Malik Monk. Sorry, Razorback fans. You've got to have all these guys who are so much better than the people around them and have proven it in AAU circuits and against really tough competition. And it's just a natural fit that they'll succeed for one year in college. You, recruiting nowadays isn't about tradition. No. It's about relationships. It doesn't matter if... If you're Eric Musselman at Nevada, if you're John Calipari, if you have a better relationship with Eric Musselman than John Calipari, you're going to go play for Nevada simply yeah. because the day and age of, you know, the blue buds are going to get on TV and you're going to get more exposure and they're going to find you. That doesn't happen anymore. Everybody's no. on TV. If they're not on TV, you're on the internet. Ask John Morant, the Murray state guard, who's going to be picked on the top three this year. Probably in the NBA second. Track. I but think definitely he, top three. I think yeah. he's a, the second, the second pick as well, but he's definitely top three. Him, RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. He played at Murray state. Yeah. People found him, but he found a coach that he liked and he wasn't quite developed yet when he was recruited, but uh, that coach developed him. You're going to be found wherever you go. There is a wonderful GQ article that was in the last magazine that surprisingly was about Duke. I, you know, shockingly, I, I, I read a lot of magazines. There was one that was about Duke and Zion Williamson. Of course, there's been a trillion articles written about him. But this one was interesting because it sort of talked about that, that Coach K, when he's recruiting these players now, 
it's different than when he recruited people 15 years ago, where he would say, this is like a second home to you. We have all this stuff that you can do here, um, you know, for three, four years or however long you're here. This will be like a second home that you can always come back to. Well, now he goes and he says, this is almost like you're joining a fraternity of guys who you can always know that for a year you learned under me, you played with players that once you get into the NBA, it's like these are guys who are going to be friends with you for life and you have those connections. But he doesn't market it as the second home anymore. He markets it as the, the little stop that you make where you, you learn a few things that make you NBA ready and then you go to the NBA because you're already NBA ready pretty much. Yeah, Mark Few, I think at Gonzaga has also been able to perfect this style of you don't have to go to Duke. You don't have to go to North Carolina. You can come to Gonzaga. We'll play a decently tough non-conference schedule. We'll rest up during our conference and we'll be able to get a one seed in the NCAA tournament. If we take care of our non-conference business, regardless, we're probably going to go to the tournament. Yeah. And then we'll just see what happens from there. Six games is all you got to win. Six games and you won a national title. I don't think Mark Few has done it yet. Yeah, he hasn't at Gonzaga, but yeah, that's all it is is six games. So I think that the fact of the matter of coaches going in and if, of university, I coach at the University of Kentucky, so you want to come here. Yeah. I coach at North Carolina. That's overrated. Relationships with people are overrated, and I really don't think it has to be a famous coach, a good coach. No. Uh, it has to be a good coach. It doesn't have to be somebody that's recognizable like a Shazetsky. If you like a uh, Buzz Williams at Virginia Tech, go to Virginia Tech and you will be just fine. They need to be recognizable for their track record rather than their name. Yeah. Avery Johnson's track record is he's lost every single place that he's been. He's been fired every single place that he's been. There's your track record. We know him. We know you. We know you, Avery Johnson. We know you. You know. Yeah, he wants to walk into... Yeah, We have a clip here that I'm going to play and he wants to walk into the living room and, and say, people will know who Coach Avery Johnson is. They know and they know pretty well. When Coach Avery Johnson walks into a recruit's living room, they recognize Coach Avery Johnson on some level. Whether it's the kid, the AAU coach, the high school coach, or the parent. Somebody recognizes Coach Avery and his New Orleans accent from TV. But that doesn't matter if they recognize you. It's if they can bond with you and have a relationship with you and if they believe you can get them to the next level. I hope he takes over for LeVar Burton for reading Rainbow. I would love for him to read children's books to infants and toddlers and small children. I don't know, though. If he keeps referring to himself in the third person, I'm going to get a little creeped out. But as kids, that's fun. I wanted Santa Claus to refer to himself as Santa Claus, not me. That's not not, Coach Avery Johnson is not Santa Claus, okay? He's not going to gift you any wins, but he'll gift you some excitement. Eh, Whatever. I I disagree. (laughs) I do not want Coach Avery Johnson reading me anything. All right, Andrew, (laughs) let's pivot into the next coach. Let's segue into there. Arkansas has got a big decision, and Juracek, this is his first hire at the University of Arkansas. This is going to be a big one. You know, Morris was basically already hired when he got here. He your yeah, check was hired. That like wasn't your check two days before Morris that was, was Julie Cromer peoples and a hundred percent was Julie Cromer peoples and she doesn't get enough credit for that, but this is we don't know if we should give her credit uh, or I or just yet <laughs> <laughs> valid point valid point, but this is a chance for your check to put his stamp on the university and he came out in a statement and said winning is important. I mean, he, he basically said that. Being good is not good enough. Arkansas deserves to be great. 
Yeah. Is what I inferred from that. And so who are the Razorbacks going to get in order to be great? Well, I think we're going to go over some of them, but to pivot real quick before we go to this, I'm going to say, why was Jeff Long fired? Well, because he hired Jimmy Dykes and Brett Bielema. That's why he got fired. Uh, if Hunter Juracek messes this up, I don't, I, I don't know if he understands this or not, but his job is depending on this. This yeah. is his first hire. This is at a really crucial time for Razorback basketball, which, you know, people care a little bit more for some reason just because the football team is so terrible that basketball in its realm of importance has expanded. So he could really screw things up if he doesn't hire the – if he hires a Brett Bielema-esque pl- coach who's not going to show up for practices, who's going to be – you know, I'm not going to <laughs> go into some of the other things, but that one is true. Um, he could really mess things up, but he could really make a lot of fans if he does something right here. Yep. You got to you gotta make a good hire here. And let's go through some of the options. All right, Andrew, I'm going to ask you to rate these from one to 10, 10 being the best one being the worst. Some of these are a pipe dream. Okay. Okay. But I needed some names to fill out and I want to get your opinion on some of these names. So start with the top and probably one of the biggest pipe dreams. Mark few. I'm going to say eight on that one because Mark few has kind of made his coaching track on matchups, recruiting people who are going to be good matchups once the NCAA tournament comes around because teams are not going to be used to certain elements, which in his case is the dominant post player. He's recruiting dominant post players year in and year out. This year, two of his post players are both going to be drafted in the first round, you know, and one of them's continuing to climb up, maybe a lottery pick with how he's played so far. So it's just one of those deals where it's like, if you look throughout his history and you look at some of these players who are in the NBA who went to Gonzaga, the majority of them are post players instead of now where we look at this modern evolution of basketball and how analytics has shaped it to where the three pointer is so vitally important and getting shooters is so vitally important. He says, well, I just need guys who are guards who can adequately beat the competition in front of us. And I need posts who, once we get into March, we're going to dominate teams and put ourselves in position to win that way. Could he do that at Arkansas where these post players would have to play against quality competition week in and week out? She too from Vanderbilt, even on a team that lost all the time. That guy's a really great center. You look up and down, Florida has a great center who was able to go up against Daniel Gafford. You know, like they're great post players in the SEC. Those guys are going to be tired by the time March comes around. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say eight. All right, Mark View, Gonzaga Bulldogs gets an eight. Let's go to Billy Donovan, the Oklahoma City Thunder. That would be a 10, but you mentioned pipe dreams before this. I did. Billy Donovan is much more successful in the NBA than people give him credit for. He signed for an extension because the people in Oklahoma City recognize that. Uh, Paul George re-signed. But they might not be happy if they keep making the playoffs and losing in the first round. Maybe, but, you know, by the time Arkansas has another coach, Oklahoma City will still probably be playing. You know, they'll probably be in the first round anyway. So that's that's a problem with this philosophy. Yeah, he, he's not coming to Arkansas, everybody. I get it. I get why everybody thinks he'd be great. And if things were really going poorly, he, it would be great. But it's he's going to be in the NBA for a long time. All right. Porter Moser from Loyola, Chicago. He has Arkansas ties, doesn't he? Yes, he was at Little Rock and he was a coach there before he was a coach at Loyola. I'm going to give him about a a five just because of those Arkansas ties. 
they didn't do anything great this year. I'm hoping that he leaves Sister Jean up there because we had some wonderful arguments with media members here about the responsibility of journalists to be very focused on what they should be focused on and not allowing a person like Sister Jean to just dominate you know, the coverage of that team. When that team looks back to that year, it's only going to be the media's <laughs> rampant coverage of Sister Jean Instead relative to the team. Yeah, so that's, you know, hopefully he keeps her there and she lives out her sweet, wonderful life up there. But, you know, I'm going to give him a five right. for, for that reason. Porter yeah. Moser gets a five. Fred Hoiberg, currently unemployed, but was at Ohio, Iowa State, pardon me. He was at Iowa State before he took a Bulls job and was fired. Yeah, Um He's no longer the Bulls guy. Um, I'm going to say a 10 because I think you and I are in total sync on this one. Fred Hoiberg would mix the NBA experience to be able to go into a living room and say, look, uh, I've been around NBA guys. This is what you have to do to make it in the NBA. These are the traits that you have to have to be a successful NBA player. And he can also go back to the fact that the Bulls just didn't really have anybody that good on their team. You know, and he, he can't help that. He ended up going to a playoffs. He didn't win in the first round. He lost in the first round. But he did take a team that just didn't have a ton of talent. No to way. The Bulls kind of put him in a lose-lose situation when he was there for three and a half years. So he got fired in his fourth year. It seemed as though the players were starting to stand up against him. From what I understand in some of these reports that I've read, Fred Hoiberg was way too lax with how things were going there. It almost seemed like he didn't have control of the ship. And so it's just one of those deals where um, he would have to revert to what he did at Iowa State, uh, pulling in guys and making sure that he could do that at Arkansas. So I think that he would be a great fit, and right now he's – thought to be at Nebraska. Everybody wants him to go to Nebraska. It's almost a done deal that he's going to be in Nebraska. Why? I know he is from, he went to Ohio, Iowa state. He played basketball at Iowa state and he coached at Iowa state. His ties are to Iowa state. They're not to Nebraska. And I, like I said, he's a Midwest guy, but if you're comparing Nebraska to the university of Arkansas, the basketball culture, Nebraska is one of the worst power five jobs in the country, Andrew. You're right about that, buddy. You are right about that. I, I wouldn't say it's one of the worst. I think it just really depends on his ties, things that would affect anybody with any job. Um, you got to think about your family. You got to think about your friends. And uh, for him, it's just going to be one of those things where What's, he's going to... What are you laughing at? I am uh, the world, man. The way that the world is going. I just want to apparently. <laughs> all right, let's just move on. The dude is busting out laughing about Fred Hoiberg. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize for him. This is a pre-recorded podcast, but I'm not. I'm not taking this out because you just need to understand how big of a goofball Andrew is. All right, moving on. Let's go to Dana Altman at the University of Oregon, currently coaching. Uh, Dana Altman would get a ten, but it's one of those deals where when we look at. What happened the last time both of these? I think he wants to come back. He wants to sign a one-day contract. It's kind of weird. And he wants to give the most awkward hog call in the history of hog calls. Uh, I'm giving him a 10, but he's going to be at Oregon for a long time. And that is one hiring right there that really would have helped Arkansas out. But I think it just shows how terrible the program was in that Absolutely. moment. For him to not want to stick around and go back to Creighton, which I've been to Omaha. There's nothing going on in Creighton. I think that Frank Broyles was a pretty good at this whole hiring thing and they don't want to give him credit for Dana Altman, but 
they had to put a search committee together or was it a, they put together a, not a committee, a firm to find Pelfrey after they got, after <laughs> Altman didn't, but he hired Altman and Altman's worked out pretty well for Oregon. So yeah, he's a quality coach. So I'd say 10, but it, no, Dana nope. Altman is another pipe dream, but he gets a 10. Let's go to Johnny Dawkins coaching the UCF Knights, the national champions Four. They had Taco Fall. Taco Fall was, you know, I get it that he really wasn't that good at basketball. He was more just kind of big, and he was out there just to be big. But it's one of those deals where is he going to get is he going to be able to bring in a seven six guy to Arkansas? No. And if he did, you know, I'd question his intentions because it'd be like this guy's got to go up against SEC competition every night. He's going to get hurt. Like no way. So uh, four. If they made that, if they fired Mike Anderson to make that hire, that would be just crazy. That would be a bad move for Urichek. I think it would look bad. He may be the next. Krzyzewski, but I doubt it. And it looks like a flash in the pan type of hire, a flavor of the week hire. I think that would be bad as well. All right, Eric Musselman, Nevada. So Eric Musselman is one of those guys who has somehow put Nevada on the map. He's had a lot of coaching experience, some of it good, some of it bad, but his dad was a coach. This guy's in love with the game of basketball. Most of my uh, understanding of this guy doesn't come from actually watching him because I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't watch a single Nevada game this year, but... I watched him lose to Florida. Yeah, so... Even though I picked them. Yeah, that's a b- bad little deal going on right there. Yeah, that, was, that shouldn't... But honestly, Florida... Florida like caught heat at a pretty good moment. So I uh, I mean I think that was just a bad matchup for them, but back and, to what we were talking about. Yeah, back to what we were talking about. Uh I would give him probably a seven because he was able to make Nevada be relevant. If he came to Arkansas, he brings a breadth of experience that indicates that he can recruit and he can win. Um I I'd I'd give him a seven. Yeah. All right, so he is giving a seven to Eric Musselman. Avery Johnson, recently fired coach at the University of Alabama. Zero. He's failed everywhere he's been. It's, you know. But he's got NBA experience. He's got NBA experience, but having NBA experience doesn't just mean you're going to be good, you know. It's one of those deals. Also can recruit. The class that he was bringing in, I think Alabama would have gone to the NCAA tournament last year. Possibly, but I think the issue with him is he doesn't learn from his mistakes. He doesn't learn from the things that happened before. Every stop he's been to has fallen apart. It's just fallen apart at the seams, every place that he's been. And it almost seems like you got to look look at the quote that every science teacher in the history of high school sports has ever – or not high school sports, the history of high schools has ever said. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting – different results. Oh, I thought you were going to say you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Wayne Gretzky, Michael Scott. No, I wasn't oh. going to say that one because Alabama missed a lot of shots <laughs> that they took. And Same same them. with Gabe Osaboyan. I'm sorry. He's what? missed a lot of shots. I don't know why he was recruited. But he'll give you those three goggles when he makes one of his six. Jamario threes. Moon used to do that as well at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Jamario Moon was not a very good basketball player, and people used him to say that LeBron had players in Cleveland back in the day. All right, regardless, Avery Johnson is a zero in Andrew's eyes, and yeah, doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results probably wouldn't work for the university of arkansas all right i saved the best three for last these are three pretty realistic recruits that the university of arkansas could get recruits coaches that the university of arkansas could get luke walton greg popovich brad stevens let's start with buzz williams (laughs) that would be a nine he was a nine the last time Arkansas had a coaching cycle, and it seemed like it was between Mike Anderson and Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams, his name got hot, 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 you know, by the time they ended up going with Mike Anderson. But, 
He has succeeded in the ACC, where it's really hard to succeed. Yeah, let me just list something off. Duke, Virginia, North Carolina. They're all one seeds in the NCAA tournament. They're in your conference, but none of them even won your conference tournament. Florida State did that. So those are all the teams you got to compete with in it day in and day out. North Carolina State's even good most of the time. Mm-hmm. Like they, you know, you have good teams all over that Miami conference. Miami is Miami good. is a good team, and they're putting players in the NBA. Even the, you know, like even though they're not one of these blue blood programs, whatever. Every single team, it's like SEC football. Every single team can win unless you're Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Actually, this season Vanderbilt was pretty good. Unless you're Arkansas, you can win every single week there's a chance that you will win every single week. And so it's one of those deals where he's proven it there. He proved at Marquette that he could win. This is a guy who's going to build sustainable winning teams. Is he going to win a championship every year? Is he going to be a Mike Krzyzewski? No. But he's also not recruiting five-star recruits left and right either. So, So that would be a good blueprint for Arkansas to follow until they can put together the success that would breed culture. And with culture, you can recruit five-star recruits who will stay for one year to be a part of the same thing that Mike Krzyzewski has built over at Duke. If you can show that you can win and you have that relationship with the players like we talked about earlier, then you can start recruiting those five-star guys. If you build that relationship and say, hey, it's not all about the legacy of the program, but it's what I've done with this program and we've won. Yeah. We want to come here and win. And I've also, you know, if you can say, I've also turned so and so and so and so into NBA guys, and you'll be our main guy. You're not going to go to Kentucky and be one of the main guys. You can come be our main guy. And that's worked out pretty well for Chad Morse. Look at what Mike Neighbors is doing for women's basketball. Women's right. basketball is very similar to men's basketball, and that a lot of things are predicated around AAU. A lot of things. Mike Neighbors just needed Kelsey Plum. That's all he needed at Washington to be able to come to Arkansas and pretty much go to a Chelsea Dungy and say, hey, Chelsea, um, I just had the girl who set the record for most points in the history of women's college basketball. So you want to come do that here? There is a big difference, though. Women's college basketball players don't go to the WNBA early. They don't do that. So that's one big difference right there. So he's kind of a part of the old guard a little bit. His recruiting techniques are like a mix between new school flair and old school traditionalism. And he's able to put together clearly these recruiting classes coming into Arkansas women's basketball. They're going to be good. Yeah, they are. All right. So let's continue with our coaches. And let's go to one of the hottest names right now in the Arkansas market is Kelvin Sampson. I'm going to say eight because it is a really natural fit, I guess, for the short term. It seems like there's been a link between both of these entities for a long time, even before Mike Anderson. There was a link there. I don't know why, but (laughs) there is. It seems natural because he has that NBA coaching experience uh, as an assistant, and he also has built – Pretty good programs wherever he's been for college as well. Houston's doing very well this season. Houston beat the lights off Arkansas last season. Um, You need to be able to rebound. You need to be able to shoot threes. And guess what? That's what Houston does very well. And that's what all of his teams have been predicated on. So those are the big glaring deficiencies for Arkansas. A guy like Kelvin Sampson is going to make sure that's not a deficiency anymore. I'm going to say seven, but he's old. So it's one of those deals where... If you said eight earlier, by the way. Oh, did I? Going with seven or eight? I I change as I I talk myself out of what I'm saying before. I'm going to say seven. 
I'm going to say seven. He's Eight for the short term, seven for like the over the five years, zero for like 10 years because he's, he's got old. more holes in him than a Belgian waffle, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. He waffles more than one, too. All right. Chris Beard. Last one. Chris Beard, Texas Tech University. That would be probably an eight because when I look at Chris Beard, it's like, okay, what happened to UALR is kind of an outlier because nobody expected them to beat Purdue. That happened once, and then he jumped ship, just like anybody would to move up because he recognized that's not going to be able to be sustained success at UALR. He jumps to UNLV, spends 15 minutes at UNLV. Can we say Dana Altman? Yeah, Dana, he, Dana Altman that, except Dana Altman went back to Creighton. It's not like he had something else in line. Yeah, just think about that, Arkansas fans. A coach came to your university, was hired, and left you for Creighton. For Creighton. And then the very next year went to Oregon. The very next year. Yeah, gave you the proverbial middle finger. Yeah, straight up. So Chris Beard went to Texas Tech because he's around his family. He's a Texas Tech grad. He's got, you know, ties to Texas Tech. That's fine. He's not a Texas Tech grad. Oh, is that is that graduated true? from Texas? Oh, graduated from Texas. So he's got Texas ties anyway. Um, yeah. Uh fact of the matter is, he's not gonna leave Texas Tech. Not yet anyway. But he also hasn't shown that he can sustain success anywhere he's been. He's waited for the opportunity to move up everywhere he's been. And, you know, I, we can't say that this is going to be the sustained success model that was posited by Hunter Juracek. That's just not the case at this point. So I'm going to say, what did I say last time to avoid? Did I say seven? Oh, my god! Did I say seven? I think you said eight. Did I say eight last time? I wrote time? it down. You said eight. Okay, I'm going to say six. That's oh going to be my number. Gosh. I'm going to say six. Six is my final answer. You, you just went from eight at the beginning of, and then you talked yourself down to a six. To a six. I don't like that one. Six. Boop. That's my final answer. I just, boop. I put it in again. Three times I checked it as my final answer. Boop, boop, boop all your way to, all I got to say is no. No, you're not right. I think he's a better higher than a six, but that's just, that's just what I think. I think you're wrong. Maybe but. a seven. Stop this. I just took it back. I took back what I said before. Stop Seven. This. Boop. Stop. I put it back in the Stop. chamber. You're no longer allowed to talk anymore. Stop this nonsense. All right. Well, that was the first ever 501 podcast. We thank you so much for joining us. We plan to do one of these every week, right, Andrew? That's right. I won't randomly laugh in the middle of the next one. I just I guarantee you he will. I probably will. Yeah, he's... In fact, I will. That's my final answer. Boop! Yeah, uh and he's going to waffle on that, too. Well, we're going to leave you on that note. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to our podcast, and with your friends. That's how we spread, ladies and gentlemen, is sharing it with your friends and the more people. It's like malaria, but so much better for you. All righty. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We will see you next week.